you just think we just, you know, whatever happens, we just shit another player. I, and everything's going to be perfect. All of our fans think that. You all think that. That's what you write about. You don't want to be here. There's a specific reason. Not really, you know, I, I think we did a poor job recruiting. If guys are coming in and immediately walking out the door because it was something different than what they thought it would be. And we lied to them during recruiting or we, we sold them on a dream that wasn't true. Yeah, you know, right now uh, we have the atmosphere of a, of a JC softball game. You know, I mean, that's what we are, JC softball team. As long as, you know, uh, it's 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 not whether you win or lose. It's like who, the, the the team that wins is the one that has the most fun. You know that crap like that. You know all this stuff that's contaminated America, where they give every kid a trophy and they don't keep scoring little league anymore. Now that's also a second in the West, baby. Yes, sir. Yeah. Winning the SEC probably is harder than winning the national championship. Do you know that? Well, how about the fucking dogs? Turn that damn you Hey, buddy, this beer's for you, Mike, and cousin Shane. That SEC podcast loves the pirate, and the pirate loves that SEC podcast. Hail State. Welcome in the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And Cousin Shane is deep sea fishing. Hey, if we can't get this man on the podcast when he's got a long day at work, you know there's no chance we're getting him when he's out at sea. So, hey, send a prayer to Cousin Shane's way. I do not think he's much of a swimmer, so if he goes overboard, I don't know if he's going to make it, but hey, he'll be back as soon as uh, the deep sea fishing adventure is done, but I couldn't go another day without giving you guys a pod, because we got uh, arguably the hottest topic we've had all season, and of course, we're talking expansion, so I wanted to give you guys the latest. I've really been thinking hard about this, Texas and Oklahoma. I mean, it's not a done deal at this point, but it's... I mean, it's at the one-yard line. Texas and Oklahoma are planning to announce that they are leaving the Big 12 on Monday, which is the day this pot Hell, it may even be announced by the time you get this podcast. So Texas and Oklahoma are out, and we all know they're headed to the SEC. So thoughts on that? You know, there's so much to say about it. I've broken down how I think the SEC should do realignment. I'll get into that. And, you know, I'm... Feeling some unease from a lot of people. We'll get into all that on this episode, but I just want to start with uh, the fact that you may have seen it this weekend. There's some kind of house bill going around in Texas, and they're doing whatever they can there in the, to make sure that uh, Texas stays in the Big 12. But this bill, it's purely symbolic. They have no ability to prevent Texas or Oklahoma, to my knowledge. I know Oklahoma State's going to be pissed. Baylor, Texas Tech, all these schools, TCU. I mean, they're going to be left in the lurch here, but that's not the SEC's problem. Uh, Any bill you're hearing about, you know, they're trying to hold them, and, you know, the Big 12's out here saying, well, we'll give more money to Texas and Oklahoma. It's too late, brother, because you could give them 100% of the profits, and it's not going to secure their future not going to secure their financial stability, and it's going to break the other schools. So 
why is this move happening? Why is this good news? It may not be good news for anyone outside the SEC, but this is a masterful stroke here by uh, Greg Sankey and the leadership at the SEC. You know, I really thought it was a surprise. Let's go back a couple months when they, again, they've not officially announced the uh, college football playoff expansion, but we all know that's coming as well. And it was a surprise to me when the SEC got so behind it because, as we all know, the SEC has dominated the 14 playoff. They're the only one that has sent multiple teams to a 14 playoff. Them, I believe, along with the ACC, the only two conferences that have sent a representative every single year to the college football playoff. So why would the SEC be so behind this? And Sankey noted that uh, we got behind it when we made sure that uh, conference champions are not automatically going to get sent because we all know the SEC champion is going to go every year. We want to make sure we got at-large teams. And this Texas-Oklahoma to the SEC, is this is not something that happened overnight. They've been working on this behind the scenes. So, again, this is what I go back to saying this is a masterful job here by Sankey and company to not leak this information until SEC media days when it was too late to do anything about it. SEC knew Rad and Texas, Rad and Oklahoma were expanding the playoff. Everybody already knew that the SEC was going to rule this thing. Now they're just going to do it even more so. And I'm not sitting here saying Texas and Oklahoma are some kind of playoff juggernauts, particularly once they start facing an SEC schedule. But the reality is the SEC champion in a 16-team league like this is always going to go. And hell, probably number two, number three, number four almost always are going to be in that college football playoff as long as it's as the number is at 12. So, and hell, there may be even five or six one year. Who knows? So the SEC, here's the deal. We all know we can dance around this all we want. This is about money. And Texas and Oklahoma are two of the most profitable programs in the country. They have history that is up there with, you know, the, the top 10 programs in the country all time. Texas, I know, has not been a winner on the field. And this is going to be, <laughs> I think that's the one thing everybody's overlooking. I think this is going to be incredibly difficult for the Longhorns to be competitive in the SEC, given the fact that they're not even competitive in the Big 12. How about this stat? This came from uh, Barry Trammell, uh, covers, uh, I believe he works for the Oklahomian. But he had, he had a terrific stat on the Paul Feinbaum show. Texas ranks sixth in Big 12 winning percentage the last 11 years. I'll say that again. Texas, sixth best winning percentage in the Big 12 the last 11 years. So we know Oklahoma's in there, but uh, hell, the SEC's not even adding two of the top five winning programs from the Big 12. So it's not necessarily about, you know, getting the, the teams that win the most. You're looking for fan base. You're looking for passion. You're looking for marketability you know there's a texas is a huge enrollment massive alumni base getting all that the sec will be inheriting all of that by getting these two programs and here's the deal the sec we all know is the juggernaut of college football right now this move is about securing that 10 years down the line 20 years down the line because the ncaa may not exist in 10 years. Truly. I mean, 
we all know it's a they're they're fraudsters. They're jokes. There's basically no point in the NCAA anymore, aside from holding the NCAA basketball tournament. And I don't even think uh, <laughs> these colleges need them to do that. I mean, how many years have players been fighting for name, image, and likeness? And what did the NCAA do when they knew this was coming for over a year? They were begging Congress to do something. And, hell, that may be the only group worse than the NCAA. So, of course, Congress didn't get anything done. And on the eve of uh, name, image, and likeness becoming the law of the land in about 20 states, what happened? Immediately, the NCAA says, all right, every program, you can do this. They could have snapped their fingers and done that 10 years ago, but they're just a poorly run organization that does nothing. And their governance of what's going on behind the scenes, we don't need that anymore with name, image, and likeness. You know, I got, I got into a conversation with a buddy. He's upset about all this name, image, and likeness and saying, well, hell, we're just paying the players. This is just semi-pro. Am I missing something here? I mean, the NCAA, do you have any idea how much they get the NCAA is paid over a billion dollars to televise March Madness every single year. We got coaches like Nick Saban making $10 million a year. And these players are being getting paid the entire time. I mean, look at Cam Newton, Albert Means. Does the name Albert Means ring a bell? Hell, go back to uh, SMU, what was it, in the 70s with their trans abs and Have you been down to... Tuscaloosa and seen the parking lot? I mean, these guys are getting paid. Now, and I know everybody's up in arms over this uh, Bryce Young making a million dollar, whatever. That's a bogus number to begin with. Nick Saban said that in a room full of uh, Texas high school coaches. He wanted that out there so they'd all go back and tell all their players, hell, the Alabama quarterback that's never even started a game landed a million dollars. I mean, that's going to... Alabama wants to be on the radar of every elite prospect already, and hell, they probably are. And now you, you get figures like that, it's tenfold. So that was all strategic. But the point is, with all this above board, these players were already getting paid. Now it's above board. There's no need for NCAA enforcement, aside from what's going on in Tennessee. We still got to work that out. But hell, if NIL was in place two years ago, there would have been no issue at Tennessee. And that's the point. So. And another thing, let's say Bryce Young is making a million dollars, which there's no way he's actually doing. Whoever's paying him that, they're not going to get a return on their investment. They're just not. Unless it's some huge Alabama booster who just doesn't mind throwing money around. Is he going to do that every year? I mean, he's gonna, he may go broke before you know it. And what happens if Bryce Young out, comes out here and doesn't live up to the hype? You know, there's going to be players two or three years from now, there's going to be a a correction in the market to where you're not getting these astronomical numbers thrown out. We're just currently in the Wild West. Nobody knows what the market is. Nobody knows what's the value, the return of investment on all these deals. So, you know, I'm not worried about it. This is just putting everything above board. I say all that to say this. Again, I just think this is very smart by the SEC because with so much uncertainty, if you don't bring in Texas and Oklahoma, and again, it's important to note, Texas and Oklahoma were the ones interested to come to the SEC. The SEC didn't do any backroom dealings to destroy the Big 12. Texas and Oklahoma leaving that conference. If the SEC doesn't gobble them up, guess what? They're going to the Pac-12. They're going to the Big 10. Hell, maybe, I know it would make no sense, but maybe they'd go to the ACC. Wherever they'd go, 
they would make those conferences stronger and potentially rival the SEC. So for fans of the SEC, this is terrific news. You just ensured that your league, which is already the best, which has already got the best network, you have just secured that future for the next 10, 20 years. And it's going to come at a price, certainly, for the rest of college football. But you know what? That's not Greg Sankey's problem. That's not our problem. This is that SEC podcast. I know we all love college football, but hey, this is uh, kill or be killed, and the SEC just killed everybody because we may even have to change the name. It may not be the Southeastern Conference anymore. It may just be Super Elite Conference or something like that because there will be no. There was already no peer. Look at the NFL draft. How many players go from the SEC to the NFL? Look at the recruiting rankings. How many of the elite prospects go to the SEC? All this is going to do is increase all those figures to where we were already dwarfing the rest of the country. Now they'll just obliterate them. But there is also another important piece to this, and I really wanted to get into this because I know not everybody in College Station happy about this move. And uh, it has since come out since we last recorded. Texas A&M, you know, they've come out and they've said, we will support the SEC. We will support what's best for our future. And that is, uh, you know, just their way of saying they will not vote against us. Just as we said, I mean, this is going to be a 14-0 to zero yes vote to approve Texas and Oklahoma. That's the way things are done in the SEC. And you may not be 100% thrilled with it, but here's the reality. I'm going to break it down for you. All you Aggie fans out there that are upset, I have read the book after – Hell, I can't tell you how many Aggie fans, when I mentioned the Texas series, renewing that thing, have pointed me to a book. Highly recommend it. It's called The 100-Year Decision, written by former Texas A&M president, Dr. R. Bowen Lofton. Really good book, and it's basically what happened behind the scenes in College Station that got A&M to the SEC. And just a quickly summarize it. Texas A&M, tired of being in a conference where Texas making all these big decisions. Texas was prepared to move to the Pac-12. They had already worked this out. I think it was the Pac-10 at the time. I can't remember, but it was going to be Texas, Texas A&M, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. And essentially, I can't remember. It's been a while since I read the book, but the power brokers at Texas, they basically did all this behind the scenes, didn't even consult A&M. And A&M was sitting here saying, well, what the hell? Why would we want to go to the Pac-12? What do we have in common with any of these teams? We're going to be traveling to California to play football games. We're going to be traveling to Oregon. This makes no sense in the world. But I think they felt pressured to go along with it. Texas, the famous quote was, hey, we'll take care of you. Basically, that was the, the message from the president of Texas to the president of Texas A&M, Dr. Lofton here who wrote this book. And I mean, hell, how condescending is that? We all know Texas carries the big stick in the Big 12. You know, hell, horns down, cost you 15-yard penalty. Let's go back to that stat of uh, Barry Trammell. Sixth winningest program in the last 11 years is getting to dictate what in the hell is a penalty with a hand gesture. I mean, the Big 12 is just an absolute joke. 
So Texas A&M did not want to be associated with that garbage. They didn't want to be in a league that did not have equal profit sharing like the SEC has always had. They did not want to be associated with a program that had its own network that they didn't have to share any of the profits. And of course, I'm talking about the Longhorn Network. Here's the deal. It's called the 100-year decision because Dr. Lofton and A&M wanted to make the best decision for Texas A&M. They wanted to separate from Texas. They wanted to be among the elite in the country for the next 100 years and no longer be in the shadow of Texas. You have accomplished all those goals in 10 years being in the SEC. Here's the reality. The SEC does not need Texas. This is not going to make or break the SEC if Texas comes here. It will add to it. Again, we'll go back to all the things. Uh, you know, the huge fan base, huge history, a, a ton of alumni. I mean, this is going to pour money into the SEC. But again, don't need it. Texas is wanting to come to the SEC. The SEC is not backroom dealing to get the Longhorns. So... If I'm an Aggie, Texas is begging to get into your conference. Right there is some pride. And here's some other things. Day one, the moment Texas is admitted to the SEC, equal profit sharing across the board, non-negotiable. That's going to be day one. You're getting what you wanted. You don't want to be associated with the Longhorn Network. That's gone immediately. That's absorbed by the SEC Network. Whatever, every dollar that comes in because of the Longhorn Network, Texas A&M's getting a cut. These are the things that you wanted. These are the reasons you've left. And now Texas is crawling across glass to ensure the future of their program. They're coming to you. And I've also heard this argument. Well, hell, Texas A&M, they've been recruiting so well, which, hell, they have been under Jimbo. They're I think their average class since he's got there is around six nationally. I mean, that's elite. That's national championship. That's SEC caliber championship recruiting. That's a big reason why the Aggies are a popular pick. Among, well, I, shouldn't, I guess I shouldn't say popular. Alabama Hill is the popular pick, but right behind him, the most popular number two pick, not my pick, but a lot, most people have A&M number two. That's a big reason why. Now the Aggies can no longer sell. We're the only program from the state of Texas in the SEC. We can no longer sell that. That's true. But at the end of the day, what is that worth? Because is Texas A&M trying to out-recruit Texas? No, they're trying to out-recruit Alabama, LSU, Auburn, the Mississippi schools, Arkansas, Georgia, I mean, they're in it with Ohio State. They're in it with the big dogs. Every single recruiting battle, essentially, they're fighting the premier of the premier. We're in the SEC is a pitch that will only go so far. You know what's better than, hey, we're the only school in Texas in the SEC? You know what's better pitch than that? Come to A&M, win is a conference championship. Win a national championship. Get to the NFL. Jimbo Fisher has already proven Get guys to the NFL. He's already proven he can win a national championship. He's already proven he can win a conference championship. And now he's well on the way to proving both of those things in the SEC. Just finished number four nationally. We're the closest 
to the college football playoff, and the Aggies are just getting better under Jimbo. So those things are likely coming. You know, you, you can never guarantee a national championship, but I can almost guarantee they're going to win a conference championship sooner or later, and that's what you got to be selling on the recruiting trail. Again, only school in Texas that plays in the SEC, that's great. But last I checked, Alabama is cleaning up in that state. LSU does really well in the state of Texas. Hell, even Arkansas reaches in there and gets guys. Now, maybe not over Texas A&M that often, but hell, that's the point. The point is you cannot just have this little feather in your cap that is not going to work when you're trying to recruit against Alabama, when you're trying to recruit against Ohio State, when you're trying to recruit against LSU. Way more valuable of an advantage is being an elite winning program, which they already have. Sell that on the recruiting trail. Let some guys go to Texas. Who the hell cares? Texas, last time I checked, is already recruiting pretty well. They may get a little bit better, but I'll say it again. Sixth most winning program in the Big 12 the last 11 years. A league with Kansas State, Iowa State, Kansas, Oklahoma State, TCU, Baylor. I mean, give me a break. Texas will be seventh in the SEC West this year. Or to, Texas will probably, if you added Texas to the SEC West right now, they'd probably be the eighth best team. Texas A&M ain't scared of them. Texas A&M, no fans should be worried about the Longhorns coming. Go beat their ass on the field. Show them what's up as they crawl to your league. And if I'm Greg Sankey, that's the pitch that I made this weekend to College Station, to Texas A&M, butter them up, soothe the ego a little. You've just insured your future, like I said, 10 to 20 years. Get on board because it's happening. It's going to be good for you. It's going to be good for the conference. It's going to be good for all 14 teams. So another thing I've heard, why is this good news for teams like Arkansas, Missouri, Tennessee, Kentucky? My God, the schedule's already tough enough as it is. Now we're adding Texas and Oklahoma. I'm not going to bring up that Big 12 stat again. But again, Texas, not that concerning. Oklahoma, that's an elite program right now under Lincoln Riley, no doubt. I believe they've won the Big 12 six years running. But people that are wondering that, they're missing the bigger picture here. Again, the SEC, by adding Texas and Oklahoma, they have just made the rest of college football essentially a G5 league, all of them. I'm talking Big 10, ACC, Pac-12, Big 12, all of them. That is now a lower tier league. I mean, hell, I already thought it was, but now you're adding Texas and Oklahoma. We've got the first super league. Everyone else is going to have to adjust. When Arkansas goes into a kid's house to recruit him and gets to sell, come play in the super league, or you can go to the minor leagues, that is going to be a pitch that is going to work. When teams like Arkansas... Missouri, Tennessee, Kentucky, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Vanderbilt even. When you go out there now, you are in a kid's home pitching the SEC, it's basically going to be NFL junior. You want to play at the elite of the elite or you want to go play peewee football. I'm telling you, that is going to work every single time. And there are many recruiting battles. That, the, that these schools currently are losing to teams like 
TCU, Baylor, Florida State, North Carolina, Virginia Tech, Iowa. You know, they're, I'm not saying a ton because obviously we know the best players all go to the SEC already, but that happens regularly. That basically ends with this. I truly believe that because there's not going to be hardly anyone wanting to play outside of the SEC. That SEC offer is just going to be that much more valuable. And we all know the state of Texas, how much talent they have there. That's something that I don't think enough people realize that LSU and Alabama have been doing over the years. And I think even to a lesser extent, Auburn and some of the Mississippi schools, they have been reaching into Texas, but particularly Alabama and LSU have been basically getting whoever they want unless they lose out to A&M on the recruiting trail in the state of Texas. Now Arkansas, Missouri. Missouri will benefit, I think, more than anybody now reopening the state of Texas because they've lost a lot of those connections since joining the SEC. And moving to the SEC has been a hell of a move for Missouri. Don't make that mistake. But they've had to refocus their recruiting efforts and with St. Louis area blowing up so much talent there, you get to add that pipeline again to the state of Texas because you're going to be able to pitch basically an annual game in the state of Texas, whether it's the Longhorns, whether it's A&M. This is going to be a coup for these teams that are perceived to be at the bottom because I'm telling you, every single team, you, I can't believe how many people are out there saying, we'll get to my realignment, uh, how I see it going here, but you know, people are saying, well, God, you're putting this team with those cupcakes? There ain't no cupcakes in the SEC after this. I mean, this is the premiere of the premiere in college football. It already was, and we just dropped the hammer on anybody that thought they could compete with the SEC. I mean, it's game over. It's checkmate. And the SEC is going to just dominate even more than they already have. So I keep teasing it here. I put out a graphic on how I believe realignment will go in the SEC. So let's credit uh, SEC Network. They had this idea during media days, and I ran with it here, but I've changed it a little bit, particularly the alignment. So I'm calling these divisions. I know a lot of people are calling them pods, but I think that's confusing people. So I'm just going to stick with the term we know, divisions. Again, the SEC, when it expands to 16, This is a great opportunity. There's one issue that I have with the SEC. We all know, hell, I'm the biggest SEC homer out there. But there's a major, major flaw in the SEC, and it's the scheduling. I mean, it's ridiculous. Six, seven years between Texas, A&M, and Georgia playing football. I think it's 12 years, 14 years, whatever it is, when uh, each of those schools get to visit one another. I mean, this is ridiculous. They're not even in the same league if we're going to do it like that. So we have to get away from East and West divisions, particularly with eight in each, because it will just, it will continue this terrible trend. So what we have to do is go to four divisions. And hear me out here. If we go to four divisions, we also increase to a nine-game conference schedule. That's key. Currently play eight conference games. Adding one more I don't think will kill you. And I love, I've gotten some feedback already. We need to ensure that the SEC works in two bye weeks per schedule. I don't know why in the world there's only one right now. There needs to be two. I think that would really help 
every single team. That's the fair thing to do. If you're going to play nine SEC games every year, give these players two bye weeks. They deserve that. But here's how it's going to work. If you're in four divisions every year, you play the three teams that are in your division. So that's three SEC games. And then the other three divisions, you play two every year. And then the following year, you play the other two. That would make it to where every two years, you've played every single team in the SEC. And again, this is not a 14-team SEC. This is a 16-team SEC. This is perfect. My favorite thing about it, if you're a freshman that enrolls at, say, Auburn, by the time you are a senior, done with your senior year at Auburn, your four years, you have not only played every team in the SEC twice, you will have visited every single stadium. And that's something that's being robbed of these teams right now. Now, how would it work for the uh, SEC championship? I think this is confusing to some people too because you can't, it's not going to be the four division winners have a playoff. You can't do that. It's just going to be, like I said, there's no East, there's no West. So it's not pod champs versus other pod champs. You can't do it that way. It's just simply going to come down to the two best teams in the SEC based on conference record will meet in Atlanta for the SEC championship game. And I keep getting, well, what if there's three, eight, and one teams? I think that's very unlikely. But even if there is, then you have to go to tiebreakers. How did those teams at the top, how did they fare head-to-head? How did they fare against common opponents? And it's, that's not a perfect method, I understand, but, hell, here's the reality. You're 8-1 in the SEC, even if you get left out of the uh, conference title game. Here, go over to the college football playoff. And isn't that what we're playing for anyway? If there's four undefeated teams in the SEC, I don't know how in the hell that would ever happen, but the two that get left out, they're going to the college football playoff. So this scenario, there's very few drawbacks to it. I, tr- I truly think that. So we've got to fix this thing. Here's the SEC's opportunity to do it. And if you're watching on YouTube or if you're just listening to the pod, you want to check out our YouTube, maybe easier to... I'm going to break down these divisions now. How I think they should break down might be easier if you're looking at it. But here's the first division. Missouri, Oklahoma, Texas, Texas A&M. Now, I know some Texas A&M fans do not want to be in the same division or pod, whatever the hell you want to call it, with Texas. But with this, what I set out to do was to ensure that teams in the same state stayed together. I think that's very important. There's certainly some resentment between the Aggies and the Longhorns, and I understand it. Hell, you don't write a book called The 100-Year Decision if you're in love with Texas. You know what I mean? So there is some bad blood. That will dissipate over time. It truly will. I know that's hard to see now. If we went every other year without Texas and Texas A&M playing, they got to play eventually if they're in the same conference. So let's get over these hurt feelings. Like I said, if you're the Aggies, you are the dominant team in that state. Go do it on the field. Hell, you're probably a 20-point favorite over Texas next year. And you probably will be for a couple years because I don't think Steve Sarkeesian is that great of a coach. Go whip them on the field. (laughs) But again, here, Missouri, Oklahoma, Texas, Texas A&M. 
I've heard some people say, well, this is a little too much like a mini Big 12, but just bear with me here. I, I truly think this is the best scenario. Missouri, Oklahoma, Texas, and Texas A&M. Now here's another one, another division. I really like this. Arkansas, LSU, Ole Miss, Mississippi State. Again, want to keep the teams from the same state. We've got to keep that Egg Bowl rivalry intact. By all costs, you got to keep these in-state games together. And for Arkansas, LSU, guess what? I know Arkansas fans, this is the, probably the number one most biggest complaint I get with this uh, realignment idea. They want to play Texas every year. But again, with this scenario, with this, with this setup, you're going to face Texas every other year. Now here's Arkansas just gave something up there, so something they desperately want. But you know what you get in return? You're dropping the battle line game. That's no longer your rival, which Arkansas fans don't consider that a rival at all. Instead, you get the game you want, the golden boot, LSU-Arkansas, Thanksgiving week. Again, you get that back. Another bonus? Tired of this damn Texas A&M and Jerry world? That's gone. So Arkansas is getting two things here by not getting Texas annually. And again, you get them every other year in this scenario. So are you really giving up that much? You rarely get to play Texas at all now. I know they're coming to town this year and making the, the return trip the following year. But beyond that, hell, every other year sounds pretty sweet to me if I'm an Arkansas Razorback fan. And I've also heard the complaint, well, hell, we just teeing this, this division up for LSU. Uh, Mississippi State whipped them last year. Ole Miss nearly beat them, but they had six turnovers in the game. Arkansas could have very easily beat LSU last year, and that was a game where Arkansas, I believe, was down to two linemen because of COVID. So you're telling me you don't have faith in Lane Kiffin, Mike Leach, and Sam Pittman, three of the better head coaches in the damn SEC. We all know all three of those programs are on the rise. Of course, I do think LSU is – hell, I've already said it. I think they're going to win the West this year. I think they're a great program. So I'm not trying to downgrade them. But don't kid yourself in thinking this is going to be some layup for LSU. Arkansas, Ole Miss, and Mississippi State, they can all be competitive year in and year out with LSU. I truly believe that. And, uh, you know, I don't want to lose those games every year. So I think those are four important teams to stick together. Now how about this division? Alabama-Auburn. Again, we got to keep these in-state teams together. And Tennessee-Vanderbilt, keeping those in-state teams together. Now, I know some Tennessee fans were hoping to break away from Alabama in this new scenario, but not going to happen in my opinion. We're getting a Tennessee-Vanderbilt, Tennessee and Auburn. That has they, There's a long history there. And I just think this one makes a ton of sense. You know, Vanderbilt would probably be pretty upset with this one, but it is what it is. You, you get to stay with Tennessee. And hell, who knows? I mean, Clark Lee, maybe he's uh, the next great head coach in the SEC. If so, I think he can be competitive with Tennessee. I think he could potentially be competitive with Auburn, depending on how that staff goes. So, yes, Alabama's going to reign supreme for the time being, but I really like these four, four games. They're all fairly close to each other, easy trips for these fan bases year in and year out. So that leaves just one other division, Florida, Georgia, I know they're not in-state, but we got to keep those together, I really do think. And then we got Kentucky and South Carolina, which that those four already in the East, a lot of history there. Georgia, South Carolina, those games are epic. Florida, South Carolina, those are great games. Hell, even Kentucky, South Carolina have been 
I know it's been a little one-sided, but those are some really good games. So I like every every matchup here. There's squabbling with uh, you know some of these. Where should Missouri go? Where should A&M go? Where should Arkansas go? But I really believe that this is the way to do the new SEC. Now the biggest uh, things you're going to lose, Auburn, Georgia. You're going to lose that as an annual game, but you're going to get it every other year. You know there's got to be concessions made. It would be out of whack if you had Alabama, Auburn, Florida, and Georgia in one division. I think that's just, you basically got four potential juggernauts in one division. (laughs) I do not think that would work out. We're going to lose Florida, Tennessee, Florida, Georgia every year, but you get it every other year, so that's tough. But Alabama, Auburn, Kentucky, South Carolina doesn't make a ton of sense. So at the end of the day, I really, I've thought hard about this. I think this is the best method, and again, games you are desperate to get annually, you're going to get them every other year in this scenario. So this is a, this is a win-win here for me. There's a lot to like about this. This is the SEC's opportunity to fix what's broken. And uh, I, I think this is just going to ensure the future of the league. And I just hope they go, even if they don't get it exactly like I've just laid it out here with the, the four teams and the four specific divisions, let's hope and pray. Let's get this word out. We got to go to a division, four division, four pod, whatever you want to call it, format, because that is going to make it to where in a larger league, we don't go six, seven years without playing each other. There's no sense in adding these teams if they're not going to play. Imagine if Arkansas and Texas, you know, some people mad that I said we'll have them play every other year. What happens if they go six or seven years without playing? Are they even in the same damn conference? It's not going to feel like it to me. This is the way to do it. This is the format, and it's gaining steam, and we got to keep it up because I really think uh, this is going to make the SEC that much more fun. And if we're making it the Super League, at least make it as structured, as fun, as competitive, as entertaining as possible. And every four years, if you're not in the division you want to be, you still get to make that road trip to those other schools every couple of years. They make it to you every couple of years. This is, uh, I think this is going to be so much fun. This is going to be great news for all involved in the SEC. I truly believe that. All right, guys, so that's all I got on this one. Went on a, a long one there, but a lot going on. Uh, we'll be back. We're just going to keep firing, man, because this, you know, this, uh, this Texas and Oklahoma news is not going anywhere anytime soon, so... Uh, You better believe that as soon as uh, news comes out, we're going to be back. We're going to be checking it out. We're going to be breaking down the latest updates with all this stuff because this news is coming and it's coming fast. The season is just around the corner. We're about 40 days away. Training camps are opening in a week and a half, if I'm not mistaken, all across the SEC. So, hey, I really appreciate each and every one of you hanging out. And uh, if you made it this far, of course, give us that five-star written review on the Apple Podcast app. We really appreciate that. That helps the show grow. And we'll send you a beer koozie free of charge just for doing it. And, oh, my God, I just realized now we got to order Texas and Oklahoma koozies. (laughs) I had all 14. Now we got two more to add to uh, the equation, so that'll be fun. And and check on out our uh, YouTube page. We're, We're putting a lot more video content out. That's going super. And uh, again, we're going to have video podcasts this season. So, uh, hey, the podcast is growing. It's getting better. It's getting, and, and hell, me and Shane are having a ball just kind of exploring all this stuff. So really looking forward to the best 
season yet of this podcast and the best season yet of SEC football. That's going to do it for this one. Catch you on the next one.